Dr. April Murdaugh here again with the uh, Becoming a Financially Confident Woman podcast. I am here with a special guest who is an expert in the human resources industry. She has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to working with women executives. And today we're going to have a really candid conversation about what women executives or what women need to do, particularly uh, around negotiating and understanding how that space works. Because I don't know if you guys remember, remember my statistics, but women leave half a million dollars on the table of investable assets over their lifetime compared to men because they do not negotiate. And so no one teaches us that. And and Miss Linda Yates here is a coach. She works with women, women executives and business owners and kind of helps them break through some of that. And I'll let you tell I'll let her tell you about her background, her qualifications, and then we'll get into the discussion. So thank you, Linda, so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, Dr. April, it is my honor to be, and I'm humbled to be here. So thank you so much. And you're doing such a Phenomenal work in sharing this venue because I think that women don't talk enough about the financial aspects of our lives. And I I don't know, in my instance, I know for a period of my life, I kind of put my head in the sand. And and it, by having my head in the sand, I ended up going through bankruptcy. I'm married. I've been married 39 years, working on 40. So I think being financially literate is really, really key in, in all these aspects. So well, thank, thank you. It is. It really is. And like you, my financial past wasn't the best. So that's why I do the work that I do now to help women, uh, you know, just change the whole trajectory of their future. So um, but I'm excited about you. So I'm excited about your background, your experience and how you do the work that you do with women. So tell us your background. Tell us you worked in corporate. You have an extensive background in this industry. So tell me, tell us about that. I think you froze. So um, I have, I have over 30 plus years in corporate work in higher education to tech. I have the opportunity of, of being the only Okay, I think you went out. Okay, so I'm not sure what you got or, or not. Where do you want me to? I just start at the beginning, like you, because all I got was tech that you worked in tech. So it seems like it's it's breaking up here. I hate internet. Okay, we good. Yeah, I think you're you're still frozen for me. Okay, I am. You're frozen now. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear can you. Hear me? Okay. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> we had it. We love it, don't we? Yeah, we love love and hate it all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, as I was saying, I have about thirty years in corporate. And then I've been on my own and a solopreneur for the last 10 years. I've worked in multiple industries. 
I had the opportunity at one point to be the only female executive that worked with the C-suite, directly with the C-suite. And I've had the opportunity to negotiate some very, very substantial salaries and also engagements as well. That's been kind of part of my journey as well as working with, with companies uh, within their leadership team. So my focus is working with the individual that is seeking, quite frankly, to realize their potential. So that has been both women and men. And all of that is tied to the image. And my research over the last, well, solidly over the last 10 years, but really over the last 20 years, has been about how our image is always projecting out. It projects out as well as it projects in. And there's lots of things that include your image. It's not just the clothes that you put on your body, but it's the words that you use. It's the self-talk. It's the food you put in your, the, your body, the way you navigate fear or lead. So there's all these different aspects. So I have had the opportunity to put into practice and also help my clients put into practice some of these frameworks and strategies with regard to image, which I really feel like that's what you need whenever you go to, to negotiate anything that it is that you want. You know, you, you make a great point, right? Because um, I think it was last week, I um I went to do a, a minor wardrobe refresh, right? Just minor, right? I figured, you know, because I realized, I, th I think I did this, I do it every quarter, but I did this in July as well and um, did a, a, a little wardrobe refresh. Not crazy, but, you know, a couple things. And I realized when I put those clothes on, how powerful I felt. Right. So when I walked in the room to do my networking and just meet people and and I'm the president of a couple of boards and I just it gave me an internal uh, sense of self-confidence. I felt more powerful, not arrogant, but powerful. Um, I knew that I was dressed well. And 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 I think what happened is it radiated and people started coming up to me. Going, man, you know, that's nice. Oh, that's a nice suit. And that's nice. Blah, blah. And I was like, well, thank you. Um, and I realized I like that feeling, not in a shallow way, but in a way that makes me feel confident. So that because what the work that we do or the work that I do is so, I guess, you know, there's a whole lot of mindset stuff, you know, right. that goes into it. So, you know, dealing with all the head trash, at least I can feel good about how I look, you know. So that's a very good point that you bring up when, you know, the image when you negotiate. And I think when you're externally together, then internally your self-talk is different. Absolutely. Absolutely. You couldn't have made my point more, any more clearer for me than I would have. That is so true. The opposite is also too, true, April. The clothes that we put on our body influence the emotion and what we're saying to ourselves. So think about it. When you go home at the end of the day, you know, you're <clears throat> more than likely, excuse me, <clears throat> mm -hmm. you more than likely will take off your shoes to relax. For me, it's like, oh, I can't wait to get my bra off. <laughs> get into something a little more comfortable. And it, it allows me then to 
psychologically, I'm now telling myself it's okay to start coming down, to lower my energy, to start to get kind of into a restful state mm -hmm. so that when I do the other things in the evening that I have, you know, like eat <laughs> and that sort of thing, I'm digesting peacefully and I'm not thinking, oh, I got to do this. I got to run to that, that sort of thing. I'm going to get a quick drink of water. Sure, okay. Sure, sure. No, that is a, that's a great point, you know, and I didn't even realize it honestly until last week. And I don't know if it's an age thing, like I'm getting to a point in my life in, in terms of age where it's like stilettos, I don't want to wear them. I feel like I could be classy, professional and comfortable with, you know, flats or lowered <laughs> shoes that make me feel comfortable. Because when I, I had to realize when I'm comfortable, I'm confident and I can flow better and I can have better conversations. And I just, I don't know, the energy that I feel like I exude is different. Right. And there, but there's a fine line between being comfortable and being sloppy and putting and being put together and comfortable. Mm -hmm. I heard a, a phenomenal phrase, actually funny enough this morning, that confidence is silent and insecurity is loud. Confidence mm -hmm. is silent and insecurity is loud. And I love that phrase because there's a lot of truth to that. There's this quiet confidence. So when you choose an outfit that you know, you when you put it on and you look in a full length mirror and I encourage everybody to have a full length mirror and to check themselves out from head to toe before they walk out the door. And if you're feeling if you feel confident with whatever it is that you've put on, then you're going to radiate that to the world and that's going to come back to you as well. So whatever it is that you're doing. So that's the same sort of thing that, you know, clothes, I mean, clothes are one whole element. There's the color of the clothes that you wear and how that complements you and how you can feel more confident with the right colors because they have a vibration, they have an energy. And so that's all a part of it. So all of these different things impact your ability to show up to whatever it is you're negotiating for in the most confident, positive, empowering way for you. So that would be one of the tips that I would share with your, with your listeners is to, when they look at their clothing, be very confident in their, their choices, the color, the clothes that they put on, the fit. The fit means that it should fit you. It shouldn't be too baggy. It shouldn't be too tight. The rule of thumb is there's this great saying, especially for women, that the higher your neckline, the lower your hemline, the fuller your bottom line. Ooh, and the reason that I hate that, wait, wait, slow that, that was good. Say that one more time for me. The higher your neckline, the lower your hemline, the fuller your bottom line. And the reason for that is, is with, with dress and with everything with image that we can externally do to ourselves, you know, put on, put on or whatever, is the goal is to bring the eyes up to the eyes because that's where we make connection. That's where we believe. That's where we quite frankly can close, close any deal. The goal is to bring the eye to the eye. And if our eye gets stuck somewhere else along the way, distracted or someone, then, then we're losing the ability to connect eye to eye. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. It and so some things can be in, in distractions. So like if you have on 
a low neckline, then it can be a distraction. Or if you have a higher hemline, then it can be a distraction as well. Um, right. I, you know, it's it's funny we're on this. I was listening to another podcast because I'm a podcast junkie. I don't know if it was yours. I don't remember, but uh, they were talking about wearing shoes and a uh, closed toe shoes versus open toed shoes. And yeah. is it is the same sort of element? Yep, absolutely. Okay. So tell tell me what do you what do you say about that? Absolutely. I, 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 my, the goal is to bring the eye up totally to the eye. That's the goal. And you think about it. If I'm wearing, if I'm wearing a skirt and it's kind of short and I'm sitting at a negotiating table, maybe I've got several executives sitting around. I've got one executive kind of close to me and maybe I feel just a little self-conscious that my skirt's just a little bit short. I may be trying to pull it down a little bit. So I'm going to be self-conscious about it. And I'm not going to feel as confident in it, right? And again, you don't want your message lost. What is your message that you're trying to get across? Okay. Yeah. Now, for some instances, maybe that's appropriate. Again, what is your message? Okay. <laughs> that's the point. Okay? What do you want your message to be? What is, it, what is it that you want to negotiate? I can tell you from personal experience that clothes every time for my negotiating are a big factor whenever I go to any type of negotiation and they make all the difference in the world. They can turn the edge. There's actually statistics that will, that pan out between salespeople that wore one certain color and then another color and, and what they added just by changing the color, same salespeople selling the same exact thing because they were wearing a different color that, psychologically intimated more put together more sharp and it we're we're doing business they saw 18 percent increase in their sales wow by color. so that's why i say it is it is definitely an element that you need to be aware of and familiar with so clothes are a part of it Another big thing with regard to going to negotiating is be very clear. And that means take time for you to write down, actually write down the things that you want. And I create three columns and I make a column that says my bare minimum in everything. Okay. And you can negotiate everything. That means, you know, days off, your, your benefits, just everything, your salary. And it, we're talking about like if you're going to a job, right? So the minimum, bare, bare minimum. Then the next column is your, the next range. And that would be, that would be a column that would be like, Ooh, yeah, feel good about that. Feel good. And then my third column is, is I am running out of the building, screaming for joy and excitement. So I have three columns and be very clear. So when you're putting your number down, you've got three numbers and you, and you're listing down everything that you want to negotiate. And again, three options in there. That way you're in your mindset, very clear on what it is that you have to have, want to have, and holy cow, be dreaming to have. And you're, you're covered that way. Hmm. The other thing is to, is whatever you start that lowest number at. So if we're, we're talking about a job, whatever you start your lowest number at, know that they're when someone negotiates with you, the lowest, the one that says the number first typically loses. Okay. That's just, that's just kind of a rule. 
negotiating. So whoever says a number first typically loses in whatever it is that it is you're doing. So what now, if they like is uh, what about your range? So if they ask you like, what's your range? Even if you're a business owner, right? So you've got to come up with pricing and all. Like, how do you respond to that? So what I what I do is I try to turn the question back on to them. I said, well, that depends on a number of factors. What is the range that you were thinking about? Mm. And see, there again, I'm just flipping it on them. So they then are giving me a number. Oftentimes, too, what psychologically we'll end up doing is, and what whoever we're negotiating with, and I, I was just actually having this conversation with some dear friends of ours that he's taking a position in Las Vegas. So he's leaving this, the Southeast and going to the West. And they need to sell their home. And I was asking him specifically, you know, well, what is it that you need? And he's like, okay, this is our bare minimum. And I, and he says, he says, I was kind of open. We could get a little bit more. I said, no, then let's tack 15% more on that. And I said, that's where you start. Because people are going to come down underneath of you. And again, you want to at least be your minimum number, but you want to hopefully get even higher. And that's, that's what we did. So it is, it is, it's just kind of a known fact and you never know unless you ask. So I had an opportunity where I moved from, from the West actually to the Southeast, actually almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I took a position with a company where I was negotiating and I had everything written down, just like I was talking about. I also was very strategic and the dress that I went and I had heavy, heavy interviews. I was interviewing with an accounting firm and I had to interview with every partner and there were 12 partners in this accounting mm. firm. So it was very intense. And then we finally get to the negotiation part, right? And I had had everything written down and very, very clear of what it was I wanted, hoped to have and was dreaming to have. Well, in that negotiation, I was able to walk away with three times the salary I was currently making, and I was able to negotiate moving expenses and several other benefits and perks. And it was, it was again, you know, it wasn't just something that happened over a quick conversation. It was a period of time I had to meet with a lot of people. They had to, if you will, fall in love with me and believe that I brought, but I was able to tell what my value was. So you said on the outset, as we started talking today, you said, how do you communicate your value? So owners want to know what it is that you're bringing to the table and how you're going to improve their bottom line. That is key. And whenever someone hires someone, they know they're going to lose money on the short end because there's training and there's up, you know, getting up cost, if you will, right? But the goal for you is to to exemplify in your role, but you can bring back the dollars and probably three times the dollars that someone is paying for you. Mm -hmm. And that's the goal. That's part of the, the understanding how the business works. So the more you can learn about that individual's business, that organization's business or what your role is and how, and how they value and how they, you know, how they make money and how they're profitable. And, and maybe it's, it's not a position where where you can maybe bring money, but maybe you can cut costs mm -hmm. because of what your experiences have been. Again, how can you add or add value to the bottom line? That is that's what they want to know. 
You know, that is also a great point. I was at a meeting last week, um, the North Florida Medical Group Management Association, and they had an, an open forum. It was like a town hall of all these medical group managers that are in Jacksonville. And one of the things they, they stopped on was HR, you know, how hiring and and um, some negotiating as well as like, the expectations that employees now have of employers. And one of the things they mentioned, though, was the fact that if an employee or prospective employee comes to an interview um, and does not know about the company, hasn't done their due diligence to find out about what they do, who they serve, then that's an automatic decline. And so one of the things they were telling us was to help, and there were some acad academicians there too, some people in academia, and they were saying, hey, encourage your students to, you know, do the research beforehand, understand the company, understand the values and the mission. But on the flip side, they were also saying that the companies need to be more transparent about what that is and what that looks like. So everyone had a responsibility, but it is important, like you said, in order to communicate your value, you have to understand what the business does and how what you can do will fit into that and improve the overall either business processes or like you said, their financial bottom line, right? Or their quality, their image, whatever it is. So that's a great, great point. Great, great point. So, so, you know, there's this, I, I have this thing um, called the, like my power suit. Like this is the suit that I wear when I'm like, yes. Is there a color um, that you recommend? Like, how do you know what is good for you? What's not too loud? What's not, you know, what do you, what do you say to that? So that, you know, color ranges so much because a color has, it, color has either white added to it, has gray added to it, has black added to it. For instance, top I'm wearing, and I know that y'all can't necessarily see me, but the top I'm wearing is a kind of a royal blue top. So if I were to dissect this color, it it has some black added to it. Whereas April, I think from your top is red, right? Sometimes, you know, the computers are kind of, so you have red, but your red has a lot of, gold added to it rather than blue and then this mm -hmm. is what i'm talking about undertones okay mm -hmm. so our undertones so when you when you go to the clothes in your closet oftentimes you will go to colors that that are going to be complementary to you or when you go shopping this i mean you go shopping in a store right and that not just online right but you mm -hmm. walk in you're going to kind of gravitate to certain colors that usually will look good on you most people will gravitate then worst case scenarios if you really struggle with color or perhaps you're colorblind i have a son my youngest son is colorblind oh. um is is to get draped by someone that that does color analysis so they can tell you you need to lean towards these like the tones or the shades or the or the hints or what they're called a hint is um so in for instance my flowers here this is a cream flower so it has a lot of white in it so that would be that would be kind of a hint and then of course there's neutrals and then you again you add either more white you add more black you add more gray you add more more blue or you add more orange 
to, or gold, I'm sorry, gold. You add more gold. And that's what kind of makes this color range. It, as far as, it's a really hard to just say there's a one great color for one person because our skin tones are so different. different. So, so when you put something on, a couple things, if you put something on a color, like a solid color, and if you're when you smile, your your teeth just look even brighter. That's a great color. Okay. You put a color that the whites of your eyes seem whiter. That's a great color for you as well. Mm. So that's that's a good rule of thumb to find colors that are complementary to your skin tone. Wow. Okay. So so I know I have this friend. She always gets on me. She's like you. You have so many dark colors. Do you wear anything light? So I decided to get these these polos, you know, made with my company on them a little brighter. And so sometimes I play golf in them or, you know, just out and about or on a Friday wear them. But I typically don't wear them all the time because, again, you, you know, I just want to exude that confidence and stuff when I dress. So I may wear a suit or I may wear, you know, a dress or something like that which dresses are not my strength at all. I do not like them. I prefer pants. Is that and that's a bad one to be? Is that no, absolutely not. You, If that's what you feel the most comfortable in, that's what you go to. One of the things, though, that I'm known for, especially when people bring me in to speak to their groups, is I am all about the jacket, and I will illustrate on stage how powerful a jacket is so wherever you go, if you're meeting someone for the first time and you're needing to make an impression or a positive, long-lasting impression so that maybe someone's like, wow, that person's a professional, right? And again, what is your purpose? That's every, every time you go to clothing, you ask yourself, what is my purpose? Why do I want to wear what today? What is it that I'm trying to to communicate with my clothes, okay? That whatever your message is and purpose. But whenever you go to meet someone new in a in a business setting, a potential client, whatever the case is, if you put on some kind of jacket, it doesn't have to be like, you know, a, a, a structured tailored jacket, but some kind of extra jacket. What happens is is you will have a perceived authority of over fifty percent. And how I know that and how I, I'm not kidding. So when I, when I speak in public, when I speak on a stage, I have a jacket on, I take it off and people can see the whole change, how it completely changes the vibe that I give off. And so again, it, it these things, all these different little things make a difference. So I want to feel more confident, wear a jacket again depending on what your purpose is, what your mission is. And I can tell you, I've seen this time and time again. I used to live in and work in Miami. I'm now in coastal Georgia. And I mean, it is hot and humid in the summer. But when I go to a new prospect or when I, and I'm speaking, I'm, I always have that jacket in my, in my back seat and it's thrown on by the time I go and I meet someone. Wow. With my shoes. <laughs> That is that is so awesome, but it does. I think a jacket does make you feel more powerful and more. In, I know it does for me and more in control. I need to have more of them actually. Get more jackets. <laughs> that 
that that is cool that I did not realize that but I could see how that would be something that would help you in your negotiation and in your strategy and negotiating so tell me I know you said you worked in as an executive in the c-suite and so tell me about that experience without you know I know it, it was an experience and I'm using quotes but tell me about how you got there like how did you uh, sit there and what was the, the the CFO of the organization? I actually was working with a technology company and he, I had met him on a prospecting call. And I basically employed all these different things I'm talking about. And he was so in, engaged with me that he stayed in touch with me time, you know, for quite a while after he had negotiated where his company bought a business software, a business accounting software. I was working with a, a partner that was a technology partner for accounting business software for processes and things. And he had basically said, Linda, he says, our company could really use you. And, and I said, okay. And so we talked for a while. So we had a long conversation for months and months beforehand. He then started sending little emails to the the chief operating officer said this is a woman you need to meet she could take us to the next level you know sort of thing and uh, i ended up doing a keynote presentation for an organization and i had mentioned to, to this gentleman that i was doing it he said oh can we come and i said let me find out so they did they came and they they saw me speak they saw me present and again i was laying the framework for that then when I finally had the interview with all of them, there were four of them in that interview. My, it was, you know, I basically said, this is what I could do for the organization. Again, knowing what I knew about the organization. And basically I launched a whole division for that organization and they hired me to do that. But the thing that turned the tables for them to like seal the deal on me. And again, it wasn't just a one instance interaction and then boom it was done okay it was this long period of time it was over a couple of years was the fact that in that interview i actually turned the interview where i started interviewing them because it's really critical that you know the organization that's interviewing you they're trying to determine are they going to fit in our culture are, are they going to be are they going to be a good buy for us you know are they, they're wanting to see if you're blowing smoke at them. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're thinking they're looking at you, but it's as, just as important for you to interview the people sitting across the table from you. So for you to have questions, that's why it's important to know what the business is about and to ask questions about the culture, ask questions about those things that are important to you. How often do you do reviews of positions? You know, how often do you do raises? You know, what kind of flexibility do you have when family emergencies come up? And and if you're if you're prepared with questions, they're gonna ask you your questions. That's just gonna be an, an absolute phenomenal interview. Because then you both can go back and say, it's like dating. We both go back and we think, ah, do we still like each other? Do we still wanna have another conversation? And that's way before you even start talking money and then negotiating. Really? So that, I just want you to, I want that to be very, very clear. So asking, being prepared to ask them questions 
And if you're interviewing a lot of different places, then lay out what it is that's important for you, kind of your general questions and then specific questions. And the best way too for you to interview well is for you to make that link for them that you are the right fit for this position by relating experiences that that have were impact experiences where you had impact. And that will then show them that, oh, and that will begin to put in their brain, oh, they can make that same kind of impact here as well. You know, what it sounds like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you actually should approach the meeting where you're in control. I think what tends to happen, I know in my past, you know, I was always told you have to sell yourself, you know, you have to sell yourself on, you know, them, they have to, you know, you were just great employee. But at now, I think the culture in our society has changed, especially as a result of 2020. And now people are really concerned about work life balance and, you know, with them, what's in it for me, right? So, you know, is it okay to kind of ask those questions like, you know, I, or just tell what your, what your ideal work-life balance would be in, in, in those things, or just asking questions I, that are related to that? Yeah, I would ask questions that are related to that, but at a certain time, again, it's all in timing aspect. It's not something you're going to come out of the gate with, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, they hold they hold maybe more cards in their hand because they're the ones offering the job, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just like a real estate transaction, willing buyer, willing seller. So are we both going to be willing at the end of the day? But there is definitely an opportunity for you to ask those questions. And two, you know, hiring processes sometimes are extremely complex. So you may have a phone call interview and so then maybe in that phone call interview, maybe at the end you ask one question because then the goal is to be promoted to the next conversation and so on and so forth. So again, there's a timing aspect for it, but it, you definitely you definitely want to go into it with, you know what, they're going to have to sell themselves to me too. Now, you there's a caution there in that you need to be humble, right? And what is it that you really want? And stay focused on what it is you really want to have happen. Yeah, that that is key, I think, too. But humility definitely plays a role. So so tell me, like, how would you approach this, let's say, negotiating or just trying to elevate yourself while you're in a position? So let's just say you have this position. Now you want to go. I, I'm, I'm finished reading a book, Getting to Yes. Now I want to go renegotiate, like, how do you approach that? So I would look for opportunities that you can showcase the fact that you have grown professionally, excuse me, professionally grown. So that is volunteer for certain projects, especially projects that maybe people don't want to do, you know, and this stuff, volunteer for that. If a crisis is occurring in the organization, you step up and you lead out in a positive way. And that's one of the main things is to stay positive through all of it you can't you can be direct about asking the hard questions and bringing up an opposite view but you can do it in a positive way so in other words employers want to know that their employees care and that they're engaged and really at the end of the day we want people that that care about the same things that we do 
to then move whatever the mission is forward. We want people to buy into what that mission is. And the more you can stay engaged and show that you do and raise your hand. And if you're not getting an opportunity to go to a new project, then you go to your supervisor and say, hey, what is it that I need to do in order to go to the next level? And have a canned, frank conversation. And I think it's that is key. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Your supervisor, I would also go to HR and have a conversation with HR because HR is going to know of maybe changes that are coming along the way or perhaps, you know, something in the organization that, that maybe you might be a great fit. How, should you get some more professional development in a certain area or have experiences? So you never know. It is so much more profitable and to the bottom line to keep someone and change them from one position to another than it is to go through the letting go or hiring process. Yeah. And so keep that in mind on the employer side as well. But then also know when your value has been discounted and you need to pivot out of that organization. Mm -hmm. There can be a time where your voice just isn't getting heard. Mm-hmm. There's is just no matter what you do, you're just running into walls. And I know I made the mistake in times past where I should have pivoted a whole lot sooner out of a position than I did mm-hmm. because I was losing. I was losing again that credibility, even though I was working hard. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, if there's a mind shift or that sort of engagement shift, then know that you know what. I will either try make another road or guess what? I'm going to pivot out. Yeah. 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 Knowing when, knowing when to hold them and when to fold them. <laughs> Absolutely. You are the CEO of your life. So like if you work for someone, that's your client. Mm-hmm. But you're the CEO of your life. And that's how you should look at everything that you do. Yeah. And not have the scarcity because I think once you do, then you close everything off to coming to you. So tell us about, because you did say like you do some mindset and 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 how that connects with the work that you do in, in terms of working with women executives and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I do a lot of mindset work. I, I have masterminds as well that are focused. The cohort, the next cohort is coming up in the beginning of the year of 2024. But I, so I, so I have a mindset mastermind group where I go through mindset topics. So do that. When I work one-on-one with an individual, I actually do some assessments with regard to mindset. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot of affirmation work in there. And we talk about the power of mindset. And we also go through a process of flicking back to flick up. And what that's all about is basically a lot of times our negative self-talk you know, something happens and we start berating ourselves mm-hmm. aloud, loud sometimes or mostly internally, right? And in stopping ourselves in, in that process and then looking back to a time where we were successful in the way that we wanted to be successful or we achieved something that was important to us to achieve. When we can go back in our mind to that emotion and f- refill that emotion, that empowers us to then move forward to succeed in whatever it is we're doing. You know, that is so powerful and that is so accurate. So, you know, I was, I 
was talking with a client earlier today. She uh, called, she contacted me. She lost, she was laid off her job. You know, a lot of people in the insurance claims world right now are losing their jobs. And, you know, one of the things we talked about is, and I'm a woman of faith. So my, my faith, I'm a Christian and, and um, most of my clients that I work with, we, we have the same beliefs. And so we can talk freely. In fact, at the end of the call, um, I'm always so blessed and honored to be able to pray. So, you know, she said, pray for you. You know, I said, what can I do for you after? She said, you know, you can pray for me. I said, well, let's do it right now. But my point in saying that was, you know, we had to go back and look at instances in her life where things happened that probably weren't the best things like, you know, a loss of this or income or whatever. And God made it happen. Yeah, it, it, she didn't lose anything. It was all fine. And so that's so key is to kind of go back to that time when it was good or it was fixed or you accomplished it. Right. it it happened, right? And so now you revisit that and that kind of gives you the lift and the energy and helps you to focus positively, even in a situation that you're not sure about. And I say that also, I don't want to belabor it, but I'm in the middle of studying for my CFP exam and um, I've been dragging my feet on this. But anyway, I remember when my last year of my doctoral program and I took a year to write my dissertation. And at the end, I encountered so many challenges. And literally 30 days before graduation, we're still waiting for the stamp of okay on it. But it happened. And I pushed myself that whole year. And so my thing this morning was, April, you got to finish this by the end of the year. You can do it. And I went back to that time in April of 2016, where it didn't look right, but it worked out. So I love that thing of going back to kind of refill, like you said, because then it, I think it evokes positive, maybe your endorphins change, your energy changes, and you become more positive about things. When I ask clients to share with me a success that they had that they were really proud of, you, you see the whole demeanor, their whole countenance, everything changes. Mm -hmm. The light in their eyes, the excitement in their voice, the energy, the way they hold their posture, all of that just exudes because they flip back to that. And that's the key, again, that confidence is silent and insecurity is loud. So lastly, I know, I man, this is such a good conversation. I, I don't want to take too much more, but... Like, how do you build that confidence? How do you, because you, you know, it takes a bit of a chutzpah. Now I'm going to go in, I'm going to ask for, you know, 15 to 25% increase, or I'm not going to take the starting salary. I'm actually going to shoot in the middle and say, no, I prefer this. And this is my, how do you get the confidence to do that? What do you suggest people do? Well, I think I would start small in other things in your life and ask for what it is you want and start getting in the habit of being very clear, being very, very clear about what it is you want. Not ask, you know, not seeking those things you don't want or living in, again, that scarcity mentality that you, were, you mentioned earlier. But start to ask for things that you want. You never know unless you ask. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case may be. 
I, for for instance, I made it. I, I was telling you before we started. I'm going to this meeting for association to represent us, and they will only cover the national association will only cover two nights. Well, the room lock was closed. I need three nights, and I'm like, so I so I asked the association, and they said, okay, well, we're trying to get some rooms freed up, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna call the hotel directly. And they were able to give me that room wow. and a room, the same room rate. And, and again, you never know unless you ask. So just start asking for the things that you want. And that will start to lay the groundwork to become positive. But also to be very clear about the accomplishments that you've had in those impact statements, meaning this was, this was what was going on. This is what the goal was. And this is the solution that I came up with. These are the steps I took. And this was this was the impact that it had. Mm-hmm. And so if you're really clear on that, then you're basically you're building your own your own value notebook, if you will, of this is what I bring to the table. These are my experiences. This is the things that I've learned through those experiences. And this is how I've succeeded. And this is how I can how I can transfer these skills and these abilities to your organization. Man, that is cool. So basically, ladies, we need to use our voice. And I think, you know, everything that I read about negotiating and the fact that women don't speak up, they don't negotiate, they have this idea that, well, you see what I'm doing. You know, you, I was on this project. You should know that I deserve more money. You should know that I deserve uh, this promotion. Uh, even in relationships, right? It's like, well, you should know that I like chocolate ice cream. Well, you know, the guy is like, well, I, or your partner is like, I, you have to tell me, right? So I think yep. from what I hear from you is practice using your voice. And the more you practice using your voice and speaking up for yourself, that builds your confidence to then go into those rooms and speak up for what you want, whether it's salary, time off, adjusted hours, another position altogether, you know, whatever it is you want, it's kind of like a muscle I'm hearing, right? You just use Absolutely. your voice time and time again. That is so cool. That's true. I agree with you 100%. In, in a kind, direct way. Again, right. there's there's tone and there's all sorts of things that go to it. But with the with the purpose of, you know, do no harm, obviously, as well. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time today and your expertise. Um, you know, I didn't even connect the image to the negotiating to the power and the confidence and I I thank you so much for bringing that up and helping us tie that together because I think that is a very important aspect of this topic so I thank you for your time and your expertise and just sharing an hour with us to help my audience understand things that they can do to be better negotiators to get the confidence they need so they can step into what they should. They should have more money. Women, we do a lot. And so I appreciate you here today. Thanks so much for coming on. My absolute pleasure, April. Thank you.